Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Monique Olin. Monique, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, pleasure to be here. So I am Monique. I uh, have a background of about 15 or so years in revenue growth strategy and marketing. I've worked uh, both in-house and in an agency space as well as consulting. So I've worked with anything from startups that are just an idea coming into becoming a business to startups in high growth stages and into publicly traded global brands. So kind of worked across the the gamut of different types of businesses. Obviously, I have some of my areas of expertise I like to focus in, but it's definitely been an interesting experience kind of seeing growth as it it's different across each of those types of businesses, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking at software, hardware, or even services. Yeah. And it was interesting because I believe we met at the RevOps co-op. They had a meetup yeah. and, and we got to talking and our backgrounds were pretty similar in that we both kind of specialize in tech and have a lot of experience with early stage companies. And we agreed on a lot of the early signals that something's not quite right. So I would love to talk through with you, given your expertise, what we've seen in early stage companies. What are the common missteps early on? Yeah, I mean, that was a great place that we connected on. So you know, some things that I see often with early stage companies comes into their hiring phases. So who to hire and when, especially when it comes to strategy roles. And a lot of times what I've noticed is, especially earlier, earlier stages, is I kind of want to hire this. Let's talk about marketing specifically. I want to hire this marketer who's kind of the catch-all. I need this person to be my growth strategist. I need them to probably be my VP in a little bit. I need them to figure out who am I going to hire. I also need them to do the small things. And that's a, a big ask. And when you're a startup, unless you have significant funding, you can try to throw at that person. Not only is it a hard talent to find, but it's also asking a lot for something you may not be able to afford in-house. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I see that all the time too, where it's similar to hiring and operations. You're looking for the unicorn that can do everything. Yeah. So they want the player coach is the term I hear a lot <laughs> Yeah. where um, they know the guts of digital marketing and can hire and can manage and can even do some marketing operations while they're at it. For sure. We talked about sales and marketing and how sales, when you bring sales into a company, you immediately need management, you need a sales team, you basically need someone who's there all the time. With marketing, it's a lot more flexible. Have you noticed the same thing where you don't necessarily need a manager right away. You can hire consultants with a really good background that are there fractionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, and and that's where I see kind of a divide is that with marketing, you can bring in an outsourced strategy, higher level kind of directional lead, as well as on the technical lower yeah. end. But you're right that that mid-management isn't quite needed yet in these earlier stages. And a lot of times you'll benefit more from outsourcing that simply because this talent that you outsource, whether it's an agency or a freelancer, they tend to have to be at the top of their game. They're constantly paying attention to trends, paying attention to changes. And to your point in operations, you know, a lot of the things in marketing we're facing right now with the shifts in compliance with data, this isn't going away. We all know this. 
and it's just even more advancing as as we look at this into the future. You look at you know the technology and how platforms like Facebook, Google, Apple, and these kind of companies are starting to kind of pull their data inward and make it a little bit more of their own operation. So you have to learn how to work across all these platforms Mm -hmm. and to just really have that kind of knowledge in-house. It's going to take getting the right talent and also being able to ramp them up. Yes. And I see some smaller companies, I won't even say early stage, because sometimes this is just a small company issue where they bring in they think they're ready for a VP of marketing. That person maybe does a couple hires and they bring in different consultants. They don't think about marketing operations. And then the immediate thing that happens is the executive team wants to start seeing data showing their results. And it's like a chicken and the egg thing. They haven't put the tooling in place. And I've seen some really talented VPs of marketing get let go because they couldn't prove what they were doing. So when we think through the order of of hiring, how should that look? Let's let's talk about my companies and I beyond an idea. We have a viable product. We're starting to hire salespeople. What should marketing look like at that point, ideally? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think you kind of highlighted indirectly a little bit of an opportunity to look at, do you have a core team member already in the marketing space is a big question to ask. Mm -hmm. So some companies at this stage, they might be a technical person. So the person behind the software and the idea guy who maybe came in and maybe is a sales background. And these two came together and came up with this idea, but they don't necessarily have that marketing leader to help them figure out, cool, how do I get this to market? And how do I not fail in the first two years? And that, to your point, I see a lot of people hire head of growth marketing roles, Mm -hmm. uh, but that could be what you call a fractional CMO or someone that you bring in for a time period to get you through certain stages. And that could be outsourced and that could be a really great opportunity to leverage someone who has that talent and does this for multiple companies who understands not just your space, but maybe others and really can help you steer that ship until you're at a slightly different you know, revenue level where it starts to make sense to bring that key leader in-house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that point. I was talking to an early stage company. They buttoned down their product. It was really impressive. And, and they said their go-to-market's a mess. They don't know what they're doing. And now that fractional CMOs are an option, it's such a great way to bring in somebody with who already has an established network, who knows what to look for when they're hiring, and knows the most critical points to focus on at that stage. Yeah. It's just a really great option out in the market now. Yeah. I think there's also considering what is it you're trying to do with your business. So as the CEO or or whatever leader you are into the team, COO or CEO, as you're having these conversations about where are you trying to grow, that could also make a difference too, right? So if you're a startup and say you're a tech startup and you are debating, okay, I want to make this company get to X stage in the next two years, and then I want to sell it. I want to be bought up. That Mm -hmm. strategy and that growth strategy and who you want to bring in house is different from a startup that says, you know what? I want to be the next Marketo of the, you know, marketing um, automation systems, or I want to be the next drift of conversational marketing. And if that's what their goal is, then you have a different strategy too. Mm -hmm. So each of those could change the way you decide to do I in house or outsource now 
in six months, in a year and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Is your goal rapid growth, customer retention? Is it with some companies that are looking to sell, their focus could even be, well, we have pretty good market saturation, but we need to bring our cost of goods sold down. So it just, it, it varies wildly. So I would like to talk through the nuance of a growth marketer versus a VP of marketing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can dive right into that a little bit. So a VP of marketing, and I, you'll see that some people specialize in certain stages. And I've seen this happen where early on, you're trying to figure out just where do I really address the market, find out where my competitors are and understand where's those growth pockets. And that growth marketer is a little bit more in tune with figuring out how to find that assessment, how to figure out where that is, and then what's the best way to go to market in those areas. Your VP of marketing, I I tend to find, comes in a slightly later stage of that. Mm -hmm. And they're typically taking what the growth marketer, whether that's in-house or outsourced, that growth marketer is kind of giving the direction of where it needs to go in this one, two, five-year plan. And then you have your VP of marketing tends to come in and, and typically be the one to take where that foundation has started to move and started to get traction and figure out the the longer term team and strategy and operations. I can also see where they work hand in hand with each other. I'm curious if you kind of have some thoughts on that too, but I've seen them operate together as well in some companies, which is slightly different. Yeah, I, I have as well. And usually it's, they've done their series A and B. They're kind of at this inflection point where they need to start building out a team to scale but they still need that strategic vision for how to go to marketing and uh, penetrate new markets. But it can be a little awkward, right? Because if you had your growth marketer in place before and they're not really, the mentality isn't there for the VP of marketing who's just really looking for people to yeah. delegate and, and trust and um, he'll steer. they will steer the ship, but not necessarily get into the guts of it. So it can be it can be really awkward if yeah. executive management hasn't had these conversations with the growth marketer. And sometimes even if they have, if they have aspirations of being a VP and they're not being coached as to how they need to maneuver in their career, it can be tough. Yeah. I, that's a really good point. And, you know, there are people who go in as a growth marketer who want to make that transition, but mm-hmm. the company also needs to understand to your point, you need to help them have that growth path to get there. Cause guess what? They're not originally a VP of marketing at that next stage. So yeah. they're going to be learning with you. So yeah. then it's the question of how do you balance that? Who's that earlier, you know, head of growth or even during those stages, how do you work with a consultant who's going to help you with the growth strategy? Versus that VP of marketing that's going to help you build that team of technicians, managing them, the management in between, starting to get that hierarchy that's going to take you to the next stages. But yeah, they're not always going to be the same person. And that's Mm -mm. a big mistake that I've seen some companies do, thinking they can hire that person to do both roles and the transition seamless and it's not. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think growth marketers really need to think through what they enjoy about their job. Because as a growth marketer, I love the strategy. I love, you know, getting into the guts of it, looking at the data, figuring out what's working and then kind of steering people and then seeing it work is so exciting. When you move to a VP role or an executive role, you're giving a little bit of that up, right? Like you're, you can still experience that, but it's through the people who report to you 
and it's it's not the same. So it's totally okay. And you mentioned this earlier that people specialize in certain stages. Yeah. That there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, that inflection point where the market starts to gain traction, experiencing that is exciting. Why not yeah. chase it <laughs> if that's what you love? Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Caliber Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. CaliberMind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more, without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with CaliberMind at CaliberMind.com. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there's and and I feel you with that. I I love the strategy and in, in in what I do on a daily and when you're working at different companies and especially when you can see kind of the the light through all of it when maybe the company owners don't see it yet and mm-hmm. being able to bring that to them and get them to realize it. But yeah, when you get into a a leadership role in house, it's a little bit less of you being that strategic direction and more of you empowering a staff of being the leader and more of the roadblock remover and mm-hmm. the kind of the guiding path you know, person who helps them orient down that, you know, path that they need to go towards to make sure we get to those revenue goals. But of course, you need to work with that growth strategy person who's also going to help you figure out what are the key metrics when you figure out what is growth, what is success at, you know, each of those points. So... Yeah, yeah. And there, you're also acting as an insulating buffer. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so uh, you take the brunt of the responsibility if you don't have the tooling in place to figure out the numbers, if you haven't argued for the right positions at the right time. So let's let's talk a little bit about when we should bring in operations and what that should look like. I think that's always an interesting conversation because there are a lot of options. Oh, yeah. Early. Always the is my answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's another good one where I've seen different companies uh, do this. And look, you know, you're, if you're listening at this moment, you might be at a certain stage and be like, I don't have operations yet. What are you talking about? If we're not discrediting what you've chosen to hire uh, at this stage. But the earlier you can get operations mindsets into your team, the smarter you are. So, you know, marketing operations tends to get overlooked unless you have someone who is a growth strategist already in, in your team or consulting with, Mm because that's one of the first things to put in place. People think about sales operations first, I think. Uh, They tend to think, okay, my sales guys didn't be able to do these things, make these calls, document it this way. But a lot of that actually should start at your marketing space, especially again, as we talk about data, collecting data, data compliance and regulations there. You know, marketing's at the front of that. We're the ones that are capturing that information. And the smarter you can get about how you collect your data, how do you use it, the better you'll be in your sales process, in your customer support process, and the cycle back forward. Because if you can get really clean and understanding about how do you operate, how do all your systems interact, how does your data flow, you can be earlier on understanding your customers and Mm -hmm. bringing that data back to the front so that you can say, okay, 
here's where I'm sticking. Here's where the greatest like long-term customer, this customer type actually has, you know, higher contracts or higher revenue off of them compared to this one, which I've been pursuing more of Mm -hmm. that data back to the front of marketing. And then marketing can adjust to go to market and just help you grow faster. But if you lack all that, (laughs) that's just one side of the coin. If you lack all that, how is marketing going to make smarter decisions at your go to market and help you continue to grow and grow faster than your competitors? And it's one of a few reasons why turnover is so high in executive leadership and marketing is that a lack of proof, right? Everybody wants to prove marketing's contribution. And we need to be realistic in that you can't track every single touch point, but there are a lot of things you can do to track correlation and figure out what's going on. But you can only do that if you have the right expertise in place. Another mistake I see a lot of companies do is... Well, I won't say mistake. They can only afford to hire one systems person and they they try to have them manage both the CRM and the marketing automation platform. Yeah. And if we're being honest, like what you just said, data privacy rules, uh, enrichment regulations, figuring out all your workflows, that's that's really a full-time job. And I've seen a lot of companies, they hire a really a newbie mm-hmm. <laughs> who really hasn't had the responsibility of, of being the owner of the systems and they kind of throw them into the fire and they have to learn as they go and they may not know about data privacy rules or who they're dealing with. Is it Are they dealing with the European Union? And even if they're not, what other rules that still apply to me? I think an option that a lot of new businesses don't always consider is that maybe it's okay to have that newer person as long as they really understand the data structure, but pair them with a fractional resource who has the experience necessary to put everything in place. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I've I've seen that happen too. And then you go to this person who, look, okay, they come in, they're a digital marketing person. They want to specialize in understanding marketing operations and automation. Fantastic. You're yeah. going to help them get there. And it's mm-hmm. great. They're going to be on your team long-term, but mm-hmm. then you might also try to turn to them and say, okay, I need to measure success. Tell me what success looks like and then measure it. Okay. You just asked this <laughs> new person to yeah. figure out what does success look like and measure yeah. it. That goes back to, do you have that growth strategist who's actually looking at what that means? How do you look at it? There's also changes to this point. You look at like uh, G4 and other kind of analytics tools and how they're shifting. How mm-hmm. do you actually use the data from different sources and bring it together? Yes. You know, that's a really good point. Maybe you have this person in-house who helps you with the kind of primary coordination of this detail, but outsource those that are a little bit more nuanced in those smaller spaces of measurement, as well as looking at someone who's an expert on the strategic side to understand what do you measure and how, so that you can work across this in-house person and outsourced teams. And that is a whole other conversation about just communication across those. But yeah, best of both worlds is when you have kind of someone in in house who can help with more coordinated tasks like that, and then have some expertise in the areas that that maybe aren't a full time thing in your company. And you're giving them an opportunity to grow and pick up the systems as they work alongside somebody, which is much less intimidating than just throwing them out there, you're more likely to have success yourself, too. I, I think not everybody is going to 
grok the systems right away you know like it's not always going to take hold and that's okay but having that discussion with your resource too of why you need to bring in an additional operations person down the road and the areas they need to work on that's it's a tough conversation but one that's really important to have that'll leave them better off in the long run yeah agreed and then another thing we agreed that we see too much Mm -hmm. of is hiring too much too soon yeah. <laughs> so um, not knowing the balance of sales to marketing, not understanding which roles are absolutely necessary at this time and which can be fractional. I think as we've been talking about, that's a real hard decision to make if you don't have that experienced growth marketer in place. Yeah. I agreed. Yeah. That growth marketer is going to be the one who helps you understand that. And that's why that is such a critical place to be working with someone. I have seen it. And especially it happens a lot easier in sales. Um, I've seen it happen in marketing too, but over hiring because you need to make more sales. So what's the logical thing in your head is to probably hire more salespeople, but that's not the answer. Per se. Right. Uh, there's usually a lot to think about in and we go back to this whole why is marketing, you know, operation so critical beginning and early on? Because if you're really thinking about how everyone operates together first, it's easier to understand how each person plays a role. But um, yeah, that's that's a, a mistake or you know, kind of misstep that we see pretty often is hiring a lot because you feel like you need to hit a lot in the market and not thinking about is there possibly procedures and understandings and things in place to get there. Your growth marketer is also going to be the person who tells you, do you have a, you know, let's talk about the softer things and not just data, but do you have a storyline in place? Do you really know how to tell your sales team how to sell what it is you offer and get that to close? Because if you're weak there, and I've definitely seen this happen where the understanding of what is our value prop and how do we sell it and how do we convert on it? Mm-hmm. Um, if that's weak, you could hire all the people you want if they're converting at low rates because that's not clear or easy for them to relay. That's a problem. If mm-hmm. you can work on that with a strategist and figure out how do I really get my brand story and my value proposition and understand that not just when we you know capture them at marketing, but how do I get a salesperson to understand that? How do we get them from the beginning of sales to actually a closure and improve that, you might be able to do a lot more with less people. But these are questions that you have to answer before you start just packing on a bunch of members. And speaking of questions, let's talk in a little more detail (laughs) about what your department should look like. So what are the questions business leaders should be asking themselves as they're, and we can kind of walk through the different stages, but let's say they haven't had marketing, they have their minimum viable product, they're ready to start a sales team. What are the questions they should start asking to determine whether or not they really need marketing resources and which marketing resources? Yeah, I mean, that that comes back to I think the first question is, is there any marketing talent on this team right now? So assuming maybe no, and then we have a leader who specialized in a different area. First step is getting that in. And I, I do think that early on, it's smarter to work with possibly a consultant, a fractional CMO, or someone like that when you're in these earlier stages, because you can very quickly realize your path and maybe your growth path is shorter than another type of business. And so you might be looking at a VP in six months or a different type of business might be looking at a VP in a year and a half. And so having some sort of consultant come in or agency come in to help you figure that out, I think is really smart at the beginning. 
you know, you do need to have a leader in your marketing space. It's not something that you can really... Companies try to do it, but you'll probably see they're not going to grow as fast as they could if they don't have some sort of lead person in a marketing mindset. And so I do think that's one of the things to consider as an early stage startup. Then it's, you know, depending on what their space is, but I I do think some of the next steps is to consider what is the talent? And these are the questions you have to think about is what is the talent that I need right now? Is it something that I just need to get one thing done? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that I see growing with the company? So, you know, you look at projects like websites. I think mm-hmm. that this is a common place that the question of outsourcing versus doing in-house, right? You need to build your website earlier on in these stages. Yeah. Do you bring on a front developer and backend developer at the beginning stage? Probably not. You can probably outsource that project. Now, as you get further along in your stages and you need to have someone who's maybe a little bit more nuanced in things like backend web operations, later on, you probably will have someone who comes in-house and helps with some of the management of that system. But that's not that's not your first early stage startups. That's not one of your first hires that you need to have. And I think that's a good example of Something you probably outsource at beginning stages, but as you get to be a bigger company or you have kind of ongoing operations, especially if you think about things like e-commerce, you might want to have someone who's in-house coordinating as well. Yeah. And I think that early leadership really can uh, have a say in which technology you choose to, because that's going to determine your level of maintenance and your need to have somebody on board. So like whether you go with WordPress which is fabulous, <laughs> but is not very intuitive to work through and very critical to keep on top of and, re- and um, updated frequently, you're going to have yeah. more overhead there than if you go with like, let's say, Squarespace or Wix or any of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I also look at, you know, the same type of project at different stages. So I've been in the experience of doing a website and a um, tech shift in a early stage startup, as well as in an established, you know, 40 year old company um, doing the same type of project and what that looks like and how it's outsourced and um, the team members involved are very different. So it was a full CRM shift um, in both situations, a CRM shift and a marketing automation platform uh, for one was an activation, one was a shift at the same time moving the website. And as you looked at that, you know, you look at the early stage startup and how, how they were handling it. You kind of had a point person in marketing doing a lot of the primary kind of coordination across two different agencies. One was a uh, website company, but they all had to communicate together. One was a website company helping with that move and helping with some of the value prop and how to relay it on the site. They were also helping with writing the site and things like that as well as a consultant who specialized in CRM um, activation, organization, and so forth. But when I was at the bigger company and we had this project, you were looking at having a full IT team involved. You had marketing involved. You had sales involved. There were like three different agencies. One specialized in you know the, the MarTech shift. 
one specialized in the site, one specialized in demand gen um, overall, all of these coordinating together. You had a project, a smaller company, it was like a six month project, larger company, about a year and a half. So yeah, yeah it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, very different, very different platforms, very different decisions being made and very different decision makers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gets complex as you think about the different stages that happens in, but I think that the early questions you need to really just ask are, what is a long-term position or role to have here? What is something that is uh, time-bound and not going to continue forward? That's a really good question to ask yourself. And if you don't know that answer, that's when you need to have someone like a, a growth marketer or a strategist to consult with so they can help you figure that out. So let's talk about some key reasons people may want to think about bringing in a consultant. So... I think niche specialty. So if, if you're dealing with data privacy, if you're, if you're wanting to be compliant across the board globally, yeah, it's a great pers- time to bring in somebody who specializes in that. But it can be more nuanced than that with other projects. What have you seen work really well? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good kind of two points to highlight on where do you bring them in. I do believe that when we're looking at where they can play best. Strategy is going to be one of the best conversation points. You're looking at uh, consultants there, agencies there, uh, typically. They can help you figure out directionally where to go. Now, the nice thing about agencies is that they tend to also come with an executing team. So there's so much variety out there, right? And and this is there's also freelancers, depending on how you want to work with them. But I find that there's two spaces to really see where you can get support. High-level strategy and direction. The other side is in technical execution. They're not the same person, (laughs) but they could possibly be in the same team. So this is when you look at agencies who could have a strategic arm and they also have the executing arm. Smart ones are the ones that figure out how to get you from coming in, asking strategy questions and get you on a retainer for execution. Oh, yeah. Um, So (laughs) they know what they're doing. And um, that could be really beneficial when you look at. And again, we keep going into our startup space because this is a good place to talk about. But um, when you need to be highly flexible as a team and you need to be able to execute and do things pretty quickly with the best, you know, top talent that you can get to do it without having to deal with things like onboarding them, on-ramping them, making sure they stay up to date on trends and techniques, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at an outsourced team because they can do all that. They can do it a lot faster. They have a lot more hands and staff externally. And your ROI on that cost is better. You're going to get strategists on hand to help you figure out that what direction are we going in. And then you're going to have these technicians. They're going to have people like SEO experts. They're going to have web developers. They're going to have these that at, at those stages, those earlier stages, to have them on staff is asking a lot for a role that you might not need full time. So now you're looking at high overhead costs if you were to have these technicians on staff. So those are kind of the two areas you see a lot of strong outsourcing is in the high level strategy and then at the technician knowledgeable executing level. You know, the the consultant at the top is is really helpful if, if you can put your trust in them too. So mm-hmm. I think there's been a history in the past of some people not necessarily equating outsourced with quality work, right? I've seen that happen in the past and that's kind of a thing of the past for sure. It's mm-hmm. it's changed and the expectation and the understanding that consultants, agencies, and freelancers are really good at what they do for a reason. That's why they do it. And that also goes back to the hiring company to understand that 
to get quality work, you also have to pay for quality work. So oh, yeah. Yeah. a huge step I see people do is I'm going to evaluate these five different consultants or these five different agencies. And then I'm going to pick the one that's probably lowest cost. Well, just expect that kind of may equate to your quality as well, right? Yeah. You often get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. So there's tips and, and tricks to kind of making sure you understand who you're hiring and and there's smart things you can do when you go to outsource. Uh, like to making sure-, sure that the person who's selling you is the person you're working with or at least yeah. meeting the people on the team, interviewing them. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's such a huge step for sure. I mean, smart ones will do that. Well, then make sure you understand your team, you understand who's going to be on it. And if you can meet and greet with them, you should be able to. And if that's something they say you can't do, then maybe that's a question to ask yourself. That's a red flag. That's a yeah. red flag. Because I definitely have been sold by the A team and had it swapped out with the C team. This happens. Yep. You just, <laughs> then you learn very quickly to ask more questions and make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And there's also things that you can do, like say, you know, okay, I know I need um, strategic direction for kind of go to market in this space. You can work with an agency or consultant and say, you know, I want to kind of do a, a trial project and move that project into a possible longer term relationship. Really good consultants and agencies can really help do that and are mm-hmm. a game for that. Because that's the best way to kind of look, well, let's let's work on this one project together. Let's see how it kind of pans out and then build that trust, build that understanding of communication, that um, process of communication how do you collaborate setting KPIs together and all of that for a key project will give you an idea of how can I work with this this person or this team long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another space that consultants really play well in is scale, temporary yeah. scale. So if you have a huge project that your key resource is, is working on, let's say your marketing operations person is trying to fix your data flow between marketing and sales, that's going to take a while. So in the meantime, why not hire someone fractionally to come in and do the campaign management and day-to-day operational piece so that that doesn't fall through the cracks? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I like to think of, you know, because consultants can come in really well at pivotal points of change. And that's where it comes back to that question. I say, again, is this a long-term need or is Mm -hmm. this a short-term need? And those pivotal points of change could be a system change. It could be a market opportunity. So say you have seen something shift in your market space. There's this new opportunity to either expand your product offering or portfolio or hit a market that you're not currently talking with. Having a consultant come in and really help you assess that can help you actually determine, will you be profitable if you make that change? Do you have the resources to even make that change? Um, Mm -hmm. And then help you through, how do I make that change? And I think those are are important areas to consider outsourcing to top talent like that. Those are such great points. So do you know of any resources that people can use as kind of a guideline for bringing on outsourced talent? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to just say this. If you go out and Google it, you'll probably find a lot of great answers. <laughs> That's just, you know, we're, we're all in this generation and, and time of education by Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know uh, I, as a part of this kind of conversation, uh, I believe we'll include a downloadable checklist or guide to just understanding how to collaborate with uh, outsourced talent. 
from the pre-actual contract to post-contract, how do you really make that as efficient as possible so you can have the greatest success from that? So uh, definitely we'll include one of those. Uh, we'll have a link, I believe, uh, with this podcast that you can probably grab it from. Yes. Yeah. So check the podcast notes on your app or um, calibermind.com. Great. Thank you so much, Monique. Where can people find you online? Yeah. So, you know, my company is called Pivotal Pitch. You can find me at pivotalpitch.com. You can also go to LinkedIn, look at my name, Monique Olin, um, find me there. So yeah, I'm happy to connect with people. Uh, love talking with others in the space. Also just love talking with anyone who wants to talk about how do I grow my business. So, you know, I, either of those are open and available. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for those of you looking for more great resources like this, check out calibermind.com. 